Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed. Or worse, expelled. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. In this episode, we're going to discuss our favorite child characters in fantasy stories. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl. done a handful of these top five list shows in the past. This time, we take on our favorite fantasy child characters, the rules. These characters can be from movies, TV, or books, and must be under the age of 16. I'm sure you all have a few characters that fall into this category. So, Rhonda, let's get started with your number five. Hmm. I'm not sure I have one. (laughs) You don't have one? Well, this category was really, really hard for me. I started looking back uh-huh. and realized that pretty much everything is, for me, is sci-fi. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, because yeah. I asked for fantasy because I'm more fantasy and you're more yeah. sci-fi. So instead of like Donnie and Marie, where we're a little bit country and a little bit rock and yeah. roll, you're a little bit sci-fi and I'm a little bit fantasy. Is that how that works? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, okay, I'll put my... I'll put my stretch number five in, which I watched up uh, yesterday. Oh, I bought it. Finally, finally. I've been wanting it for so long and I got sick of waiting for someone to give it to me and ordered it on Amazon the other day when I ordered my coffee. So I had Russell down. But after watching the movie, um, I realized Russell is not much of a character in the movie. He sort of just um, promotes a lot of very stereotypical comic relief Mm. about children and just Mm -hmm. promotes Mr. Fredrickson's story. I see. Uh, So he's more um, the, uh, they actually, there's actually a name for that kind of character, but I can't think of what it's called right now. Anyway. He is adorable. He's very cute, but um, you could really have put anybody in that position mm-hmm. um any person i mean he's got an absentee father i don't remember whether his parents are divorced but that that isn't much of a character to yeah to put not much of a story it. or background yeah um and it's funny that the, i mean this the whole the whole story the whole movie obviously holds up well because i i consider it phenomenal film mm-hmm. uh, with great animation and everything but when I actually just sat and concentrated on Russell I just didn't get much out of him but mm. um, I, I appreciated the creation of his uh, appearance and his um, the way he did deliver comic relief he wasn't stupid mm-hmm. uh, he was energetic and right. he was positive and um, compassionate actually interesting well those are good very good yeah. characteristics for, you know, even for a character that is sort of, um, you know, a plot mover or a, you know, mm-hmm. a shaper of other characters, you know, the, the characters are defined against as opposed to a defining character. So yeah. very lovable. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, lovable is good, too. Those are not things to be overlooked. What about you? What's your number five? Um, Much more interesting than that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My number five, I actually at the last minute here changed my my order around a little bit. But um, my number five is Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, wow. You did change your list. I did. Just a little bit. Um, 
Uh, he is I, I just one of those kind of affable, lovable lead characters. Um, but I think one of the things I appreciate the most about his character is his morality that he has the chance to turn the you know everlasting gobstopper over to the mm-hmm. to the bad guys, quote unquote, um, and chooses not to. And um, I think that that's that's one of the things that always sort of draws me to that story. And I, I've never seen the um, the Johnny Depp version. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that one. The only one I have to reference is the musical from, I'm assuming it was the 70s with Gene Wilder. Um, yeah. Because I just can't imagine anybody else doing that role. Um, but I've also read the book, and so I know the book as well. So um, actually, in a lot of these, I know both. I know the characters from both movies and and movies or shows. So, um, yeah, his his choice, the fact that he was, you know, he's a little overly earnest. <laughs> yeah, he is. But that's kind of the classic hero. Um, if you look at any hero that just kind of falls into that traditional hero role, they, they tend to be that way. They tend to be earnest and, you know, faithful and kind of a little... I don't want to say dull because that's not exactly the right word, but our heroes that are written today have a lot more um, sort of character marbling, I'd say, where there's a lot yeah. more light and dark involved in them. Charlie's not yeah. one of those characters. He's just, he's just a good guy. The, the farthest they went was when they drank the soda pop. Right. The one that, yeah. And I think that's probably the only thing that saved Charlie and them. <laughs> Because if that hadn't have been there, I think he would have just been so sicky sweet. Nobody would have cared what, yeah, he, what yeah. he did. Yeah. And so it was nice to see that he was able to be tempted. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, to me, I always had, um, especially when I was really young, um, had a hard time understanding him returning the Gobstopper because I thought that Willy Wonka was just mean. Yeah. He was yeah. weird and he was mean. But <laughs> when you look at it, though, that is a truer test of Charlie's character than anything. Exactly. That it didn't matter how Willy Wonka acted. It mattered how he acted. Right. Exactly. His choices you know? were what mattered, yes. not not Willy Wonka. And yeah. and um, and that was that really is that that, like I said, the, the morality of that decision. And that is kind of an example of, you know good behavior <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or choosing to do the right thing, even when the wrong thing is so easy to do. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So what do you have for number four? Um, I think for number four this time, I'm going to put Coraline. Okay. Um, Coraline. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil Gaiman, all- right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I've watched the episode. And so I didn't get a chance to go back and just kind of pick out about it, what it was that um, hit me about her. But his characters, um, his his children characters typically are, um, they're, they're very courageous, even though that they have fear, mm-hmm. observe their situation, and they try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Coraline is the same way, and you feel sorry for her because obviously her situation is difficult. Right. And you don't feel bad for her and you're tempted in the same way that she is. Mm -hmm. But in the end, she goes to no ends to rectify things. Right. Um, She's very smart and she's also very accepting. Um, Now, she's not at first with uh, her neighbor, but I mean, he's a boy, you know, he's got (laughs) 
everybody has there there's a certain age that you go through where you know yeah. you have to you sort of fight the the gender yeah and I don't <laughs> just think on gender has, basis alone <laughs> yeah i don't think that has anything to do with um her character right? Right. because um she's got the the couple of crazy landlord ladies in the basement and mm-hmm. Um, the nutty guy who stands on the roof and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, she's she's okay with the way they act, mm-hmm. you know. The yeah. problem she has is with the way her parents act. Right, so. yeah, which is interesting. And that that's another thing about about just sort of child characters in any stories they tend to have that like charlie have the moral compass um and be the ones that are sort of guiding you know they haven't been corrupted by the world whatnot yeah um so that they end up being an important marker of that as well yeah and i think that at least that's what i'm seeing in my list are how they they take that innocence and naivete and when they're confronted with adult situations or adult world things what do they bring to the table and mm-hmm. how do they react to it exactly are they, are they crushed or do they process it or or whatever yeah but, and do they grow from it yeah and Besides, do the parents I love yeah. lines blue hair i mean <laughs> awesome. i know i've always wanted to have like brightly colored hair purple or blue or you know some some sort of unnatural color mm-hmm. <sighs> maybe someday all right, we're on number three. Now that you've reordered your list, I have no idea. What <laughs> well, no, I'm my number four because I haven't done my number. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Number so four. my number four um, is from one of my all-time favorite fantasy series from the Harry Potter books and movies, um, and it's oh. Luna Lovegood. Oh, she's so awesome. I love her. I just love her. Um, I think she is, um, again, a little like Charlie where she's sort of that earnest, just good very straightforward kind of character, even though she is, you know, loony. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But one of the things I appreciate the most about her character is she never questions the crazy. (laughs) No. She just accepts who she is. And that's a really powerful thing, especially to see in a young female character. Yeah. Um, To have no question about who she is and her emotional growth. And because of that, you believe her emotional connection to things. One of my favorite scenes is when um, she and Harry are looking at the... Oh, God, I can't remember the name of them. The horses that only people who've known Uh, someone who died can see. Um, And they're otherwise they're invisible. And everybody thinks that, you know, the carriages are just being magically pulled, but they're being pulled by these creatures. And they're having a conversation about it. And she's like talking him through his grief. Um, And I I love that scene. And it's just sort of uh, symbolic of her accepting her emotion and Harry's emotion, which Harry often fights as well. Yeah. So I just, I just always thought she was really sort of solidly good for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Luna character was just, was just absolutely pleasant in the Mm -hmm. books to run across. Yeah. Every time she came up there, you knew there was something fun or different that was going to be discussed. And she was going to talk about some crazy theory her dad had and, you know, some crazy creature. But with just, you know, and not having to to worry about being accepted based on that. Not that she didn't want to be accepted because I think she did. Oh, yeah. But um, but that sort of openness to, you know, it's okay to be different. I think those characters are really important. Well, I think she realized that it was most important to accept herself first. Mm-hmm, exactly. 
Exactly. And then she could live easier with everything else. Yeah. Then she could kind of move forward from there. Yeah. 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 All right. So who do you have for number three? Um, number three, I have Morgan from Enchanted. Okay. I, I love the idea in this story that um, she has a good relationship with her dad, but she loves princesses. She loves fantasy and she is willing to accept it completely and thoroughly, mm. um, even in the face of her father, who she admires and respects, tells her, no, this this doesn't exist. And she's like, I'm looking right at it. <laughs> she's a princess. Mm-hmm. That's okay with her. And even more so in the end, when that fantasy actually matures and becomes more of a relationship. Right. Um, it becomes a peer uh, a mentor type relationship. And I, th- I think it's a, a tiny, wonderful little growth for a little girl mm-hmm. have a bond with an adult woman. Um, there's not, there's not a ton there and it's mm-hmm. mostly about the love story and everything, but right. I like the idea that she just didn't dance around the entire time with a tiara and a tutu. <laughs> She went with um, the princess to shop and do mature woman things together Mm -hmm. in a mentoring kind of way that you would expect. And and she was a great mentor. Right. So, yeah, uh, she's a sweet character. Very nice. And so now we're on number three for you? Now we're on number three. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Number three for me is Arya Stark from um, the... (sighs) Song of Fire and Fire yep. and Ice, Game of Thrones, um, who I know mostly from the show and not from the books, but I have read some of the books. Um, I love her as a character. I love her pluck <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and her drive and uh, her just desire to do even what she's told she can't do. Yeah. Um, that is something that I've always appreciated in characters. But um, the fact that she's in a situation where she is in danger and, but she doesn't know it when she wants to start training. Um, and it really pays well for her <laughs> mm-hmm. that she had that interest in that uh, going sort of through the stories and as her, as her character develops. Um, I'm still waiting for I'm still waiting for her dog to come back to her though. <laughs> oh no. That might well, be the hardest the hardest part of that story, her story yeah. arc for me was sending away her, her dire wolf and not having him. So I like the the way that she she has to push mm-hmm. to she does. get what she wants, but she's not disrespectful. No, no, she's not. She, she, you know, she understands her place. She understands that she's asking for something that isn't typical, that her father's going to have to go out on a limb to, you know, provide it for her. And she appreciates it. And there are a lot of children, a lot of child characters, you know, I mean, we can talk about spoiled child characters in Game of Thrones. Yep. You know, with no problem. <laughs> no, no problem at all. Who do not have an appreciation of the sacrifices that their parents make for them. And she she acknowledges that and is even more grateful for the opportunities that she's given Mm -hmm. because of it and that is a great depth of character that you don't see very often in um in characters just in general but definitely not in child characters yeah she's very she's very grounded Mm -hmm. where 
it, the other the other kids almost seem to um, be carried about mm-hmm. um, on, on a breeze, and it's like oh, that's even more dangerous than carrying a sword. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely so i'm really curious it's one of the reasons why i can't wait for game of thrones to start back up on hbo because i can't wait to see what happens with her character i'm curious as to what's going to happen with her sister as well sansa Mm -hmm. and what and her story um they are really you know say what you will about game of thrones but the characters definitely have a lot of depth to them so yeah very complicated it. relationships. And- yeah, seriously, so much so that it's hard to keep track of who people are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly asking, you know, wait, who is that? And who is that person? And who is this person? Yeah. And I'm kind of glad I don't know the books that well. And I'm not into the books that, you know, the current and upcoming seasons are about because it just makes it more confusing when my pictures in, their, in my head of them don't look like they do. Because yeah. then I have like, a whole extra cast <laughs> of characters oh, yeah. that I'm trying to sort through as I'm watching it. Wait, you don't look like that? Oh, that's because that's my message. See, when I get to books like that, I be- I either begin making spreadsheets or I make an org chart. Yeah. I just go I mean, to the wiki. It just happens. <laughs> well, yeah. Because <laughs> somebody great. else has done that for me. <laughs> love it. But as we know, you are the spreadsheet junkie. Yeah, I, they never do it the right way. <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> of course not. So on that note, what's your number two? Um, my number two is Hermione in oh. Harry Potter. And I actually went to the Harry Potter wiki to find out how old she was so yeah. that I wouldn't confuse the um, the, roles. the books. Yeah. I did the same actually for Luna as well. Yeah. But at, at some point they were, they were young. Yeah. They all start out in school, I think at 11. Yeah. 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 I, I was watching um, the Saucer Stone. The the experience she goes through with the being ostracized because she's a brainiac. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got so much stacked against her anyway. She's coming into a world that um, she wasn't particularly raised in. Right. Well, um, not at all, yeah. And, no. and yeah. I mean, she's raised in a muggle world. Mm-hmm. And now she is with a group of people that act and speak and dress and everything else in an entirely different way, which she embraces. Mm-hmm. But you cannot imagine what that internal turmoil is to, you know, besides the fact of being, you know, a kid, prepubescent and everything else and just not being, just being awkward. Mm-hmm. But then being so intelligent. Yeah. I mean, she's just got so much stacked against her. And, <laughs> But and she her, puts and her, her big head. bushy hair. Yeah, poor thing. <laughs> and her buck teeth. <laughs> you oh, know? She really, she really does have you know a rough go of it as uh, you know in terms of yeah you know adolescence. Just yeah. making friends. I mean, just the mm-hmm. stepping in the door for the very first you know mm-hmm. uh, impression, and it, she just puts her head down and goes forward. Mm-hmm. She she knows what she wants. She even though. Uh, identify with her because even though she may be OCD, she may be an overachiever, that is very hard to deal with and accept with a person who's so extremely focused and disciplined. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can come off very hard. It can come off very cold, um, very hard to approach. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, 
if you are Hermione and you're looking at it and you're like, well, I just, I just have a plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just, I'm just following the plan that, you know, that doesn't define me. It's right. just what I do. It's just who, yeah, it's just who she is. But it's very, it's very hard. And I, I appreciate as time goes by that she is able to uh, bridge that gap mm-hmm. and become more of the person that she's going to be without losing any of that. Right, right. Without sacrificing mm-hmm. the core of who she is in order to, to fit in. You never, you never get that kind of compromise from Hermione. Yeah. And it was some really great character because in the first movie, in the first book, she's teased mm-hmm. and she's hurt. But when it comes right down to it, she protects her friends. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she's, she comes to the plate and she's got um, a good sense of compassion and empathy, which you don't think she has. Right. Yeah. At all. She just so, you know, quotes books and facts yeah. and everything all the time. And yep. you're like, are you a person? <laughs> and that's very hurtful. And mm-hmm. you just don't realize it. it's like, don't listen to what I say. Right. Kind of thing. Well, know? she can be very off-putting, just her, oh, her yes. you know, character in general. But that... Um, that know-it-all tendency can can be ostracizing, both to to cut her out and and off-putting to other people. Um, yeah, and that's hard for a kid to um, balance, right? And I think that's why that as she matures, she puts it into action, right? And not necessarily into words. Yes, exactly. Where she just she just starts doing things, doing yeah. the things that need to be done. Yep. Yeah, well, she would. She was a runner-up for mine. I had a feeling she was going to be on your list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I was very conscious of not picking her. Well, it's funny because I was putting Hermione on mine. I was like, you know what, Luna Lovegood would be ju- would be great too. I bet. I, I bet she picks Hermione. I better put Luna on here. So. <laughs> but kudos to you, J.K. Rowling. You did a great job. Yeah, so many great, you know, so many characters, great characters, especially yeah. female characters. Great, you know, great male characters too. Who's your favorite male character in in Harry Potter series? Hmm, that's tough. Yeah, because I don't care for Ron very much. No, although I really, really appreciate his character. I think that that's yeah. a very I, I, a very good character. Yeah, he's a little like you were saying Russell was and up. He's a yeah. character that moves the plot along. Um, I think I like Neville. Neville. Oh, I love Neville too. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty fantastic. And I think the, the, the work she did on his character was just brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She really did craft him nicely Mm. in terms of how he starts out and where he goes and how he ends up at the, you know, at the end of the last book, you can't help but cheer for, um, cheer for Neville. And she puts just enough in there. I mean, she's got an enormous cast. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in this one, the very first children's book, she introduces these characters just enough, and you're you're like Neville, man, what is his deal? <laughs> and that's all you need, right? Yeah, you just have. And then when he came back in the second book, you're like, oh yeah, cool, right? Yeah, he, it's just enough so third, you remember them. Yeah, it's it's really. Awesome. I remember the first time I. The first time I reread the first book for the second time. I understand. That actually made sense in my head. Yeah. <laughs> it made 
I totally understood what you said. That's the same way I'd say about Ender's Game. Yeah, yeah. The the first time I read the first or the yeah the first time I read the first book for the second time, and um and there was a mention there's mention of Sirius Black in it, and he's my favorite male character of the series, um and he hadn't come into actually being a character in any of the books until book three, but she just dropped his name, mm-hmm. you know, in the first five pages, first five or ten pages, he just happens to be mentioned. And, you know, and you don't know and you don't really pick up on it at that point. Uh-uh. He doesn't have a character and there's no establishment as to who he is until he comes back in that book. And um, and I just thought that that was so brilliant that she had to yeah. really have, like, the umbrella picture of what she was doing when she started, which takes a lot. Yeah, that's just, it's just amazing yeah. to think about. Yeah. Well, my number, number two, two is Meg Murray. From one of my favorite series from when I was a kid, um, A Wrinkle in Time. Have you yeah, read A Wrinkle in Time? No, I've um, got to read it. <laughs> it's like a major hole in my literary background. <laughs> it was uh, one of those series that uh, came along at just the right moment for me. At the you know wherever I was, I can't even exactly remember. I think I must have been thirteen or fourteen when I when I picked it up. Um, but uh, she was he was a great character. She was you know the outcast of her family because she wasn't just quite as smart as everybody else was um and she was a girl and she had two brothers uh, one who was much much younger and much you know very smart very you know genius level intelligence and i just i immediately identified with her um and that awkward sort of um adolescent feeling that you have about nothing being quite right about who you are or mm, what you yeah. want and you know how you see yourself and that was really powerful for me at the time and I went back and I I read them again and they're still great series but it's interesting to read them as adults (laughs) and Mm. not be feeling like that way about yourself anymore (laughs) still have the same identity because I can still go I do remember when this is who I was and how this still sort of maps into my life but it didn't have the same kind of powerful impact I remember it having back when I was an adolescent struggling with all those those issues so no deja vu no no, I didn't. I didn't mm-hmm. really get sucked back into it, and so I think I was far enough away from it that I was just like, I could acknowledge that that the Regina of the past, that you know that was there, but yeah. I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't have the same feeling that I did the first time I read it. So you can't go home again. <laughs> no, <laughs> to some degree at least. My number one is um, a little, not unusual, but I guess it may be out of left field. I don't know. But it's Alexandria from uh, the movie The Fall. Okay. I don't know this at all. If nobody's seen The Fall, it is just um, a fantastically beautiful storytelling. Mm -hmm. It is set at the uh, very, very early days of filmmaking. Um, they're still shooting black and white film, and um, I forget what country they're in. They're in South America or something. Um, it's been a while since I've watched it. I, mm-hmm. I, when you sit down, you want to sit down and just let it happen to mm-hmm. you. But there is a, a very young native child, Alexandria, who has fallen out of a tree or done something mischievous and broken her arm. Mm-hmm. And she uh, pretty much is sort of like the um, hospital's pet cat, so to speak, or mascot. She just runs all over the place and plays. She's by herself. Her family is far from the hospital. So they only come see her when they're, you know, ready to visit. Mm-hmm. And a American man gets admitted into the hospital 
with um, some very, very serious injuries. And she befriends him. So it's a child-adult relationship again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's severely depressed, and she comes to him every day, and he tells her a story. And I, she, they're, they're, they're both enamored with each other. At first, for him, it's a manipulation thing. And for her, it's company, it's new, it's novel. Right. And then it, it, it makes some dramatic changes along the way. And the story is all, of course, completely and utterly fantastic and mm-hmm. symbolic. Mm-hmm. Um, telling the real story behind mm-hmm. this guy. In the end, there's just a wrenching scene with him and Alexandria as they finally tell the truth behind everything Mm. behind the story and what's really happening and how her tender heart reacts to all that. Um, it's just a a sweet story and you just love the ending and, and how she helped him heal. Right. Right. So beautiful film. Beautiful. Interesting. I will have to check that out. I was taking notes as you were talking about all your characters, but I will, I will definitely put that in my list of things I need to, I need to see. Yeah. It's just, it's a movie that I can't believe that uh, more people, haven't more people seen. haven't seen it. Yeah. 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 Did you ever watch Pushing Daisies? I did. Yes. All right. He, the, the actor in that he's in. Okay. Okay. He's the lead actor. I love that series. That's a great little series. Oh man. I was so bummed when that was canceled. Yeah. Yeah. It's another tragedy. Yeah. That's yeah. a fantasy. That is a fantasy. Yep. Yeah, we had. I had to do. I had to look up and try to figure out. Okay, what's the difference between fantasy and sci-fi? And well, um, I, yeah, I, oh, I think the basic idea is that sci-fi can be man-made. Oh yeah. Well, I just I like the way Orson Card put it when he said, "There are more trees than gears." Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. More I'll trees than it. gears. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because I had a, originally on my list, I had Despicable Me. Uh huh. Because those three little girls, Agnes, Margot, and um, Agnes, Margot, and Edith, are like the three parts of me. Mm-hmm. But there are more ray guns in it than there are trees. <laughs> John said that's a sci-fi. I was like, what? He goes, freeze ray, shrink ray, squid ray, piranha ray. I was like, no, oh, you're right. It's sci-fi. Man. <laughs> Yeah, if it's ray guns, there's sci- it's sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty safe guess. If there's magic, it's fantasy. Okay. <laughs> What's your number one? So my number one um, comes from one of my all-time favorite uh, fantasy series, young adult fantasy series, from an, uh, an author that you've we've I've talked about a lot in the recent past. Uh, Tamara Pierce. Um, I didn't talk about this series because I read it multiple times and I was reading new works of hers. Uh, So it's Alana of Treebond from Song of the Lioness. It's a four series book about um, Alana and her twin brother are sent to train, essentially. Um, He's going toward knighthood and she's going to the... um, um, to be a priestess, essentially, because she's, you know, they both have magic, but boys are trained to be knights and girls are trained to be um, healers, essentially. Um, but she wants to be a knight. Yeah, so of course, why wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she? <laughs> right, exactly, because who doesn't want that adventure and who wouldn't want to wield the sword if you could? Um, so she, uh, they, they trade places. They're twins, and so they, they look enough alike so that they can kind of fake through this and so she goes into night training and and he goes to the to the uh, sanctuary to train with the magic um and i just i just love her her story and her her character arc and how she kind of develops and one of the things that 
I realized as I was putting this list together today that I really appreciated about her. She has magic and she has magical abilities, but she doesn't want to use them. She really mm-hmm. wants to kind of shield herself from that. And she really just wants to be physically strong. Now, mind you, she has to fight, you know, she looks like a small boy. <laughs> yeah. So she comes in and gets picked on because they don't know that she's a girl um, until the very end um, of the series. And she gets picked on because she looks like a small boy. Um, and she doesn't sort of trust that part of herself, the the sort of specialness of who she is. And she comes to terms with that. And that's one of the things I appreciate the most about her character is that progression of her growth, where she kind of steps back from and says, okay, well, this is part of who I am. And I can't deny it or, or ignore it, because it's, it is part of who I am. And I think that's an important message as well for mm. people to get that, you know, we do have special, everybody has special things about themselves, special abilities. And it's important to acknowledge and, and have them as part of your life, because if you don't embrace your gifts, it's not very good, usually, <laughs> which is part of what she learns through her journey. So yeah. And she has purple well, eyes. You've got to love a character that has purple eyes. Oh, man. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted green eyes. Uh, yeah. Well, my eyes are awesome. green if I'm wearing green. <laughs> well, that's even better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that goes back to um, one of the things we mentioned earlier about um, if you accept who you are, like Luna mm-hmm. does, and... Um, core line just knows they just know who they are and they're grounded mm-hmm. then they're able to deal with their situations and accept other people better mm-hmm. and it it's nice actually to see a story where that you watch someone come come through and around into that yeah exactly because that's you know usually i think more um typical of a of a progress for people to go through where they they have to learn to accept who they are more than just sort of having it as an innate thing for them. So did you, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I noticed this after I put my list together that um, short of Alana, um, four, of, four of my five characters all have lost a parent, at least one. Well, it don't you think that that is a, um, a trope for child characters? Absolutely. <laughs> it happens so often if we think about Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. And, mm. um, you know, there are just numerous um, um, characters in, in all kinds of stories, child characters in all kinds of stories that have lost a parent. Um, James and the Giant Peach, you know, he was living with his aunts, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're just, it, it's a really interesting thing. Um, like you said, a trope that, that idea of, you know, kind of the, the shortcut storytelling, because to come to their own or to, to kind of be independent and individual, they have to not have parents in some way. Yeah. So, um, so it's interesting. Yeah. That that's, that that is kind of a, a stereotypical characteristic i need to go back and look at mine i gotta double check about alexandria in the fall because i don't know whether or not that her parents are remote or whether or not that she's an orphan Mm -hmm. and hermione's got two parents Coraline has two parents i think russell has two parents yeah he does and but morgan's mother is dead Mm. yep yeah interesting interesting yeah. Well, if anybody would like to help me with my my poor pathetic <laughs> fantasy list, well, the next time we'll do sci-fi, and then everybody yeah. will have to help me with sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, they would like to uh, 
raise the praises of, of the good fantasy list that we came up with, uh, just let us know. We would love to get your hints. I would love for you to give me a hint about what fantasy book to read. Um, I definitely pick up on Regina's recommendations, that's for sure. And all these links and ideas will be posted on our site. You've been listening to Game On Girl. You can find all our social media connections on our website at GameOnGirl.com. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at RoRoom. That's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M. I am also now on Tumblr and Instagram. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz, as I'm known on Twitter and Steam. I'm pretty much everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my Instagram is also Doc Liz, although I haven't used it in forever. So there's lots of different places you can find me as Doc Liz. So many thanks to Rhonda for coming up with this fantastic topic for today's show. Uh, as she said, make sure to let us know on the site about your favorite child characters and fantasy stories. We're always looking for recommendations here um, and things to check out and to talk about. So definitely make sure to let us know um, some of your favorite fantasy stories and favorite fantasy child characters. And don't forget, you can uh, subscribe to Game on Girl on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. And you can find these links at the website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media. And the theme song, Good Day by Triple Fox, is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, game on. Game on.